Welcome to the BBSI Entrepreneurs Podcast, the show where we talk about the challenges business owners face every day. We'll share the insights and tools you need to define your business strategy, better manage your teams, and mitigate any risks standing in the way of your success. I'm your host, Lauren Gelfand, Director of Marketing and Communications at BBSI. Thanks for joining us today. In this episode, we're talking with Chris Rom, BBSI's Director of Learning Development, about the importance of learning and development programs for small businesses. Welcome to the show, Chris. Thanks, Lauren. I'm super excited to be here. I am super excited to have you, especially since we launched our own BBSIU learning management platform. I've had this idea of talking to you about just learning and development in general for a while now. So I'm excited to help our listeners out and talk about some of the programs and options that are available and the ways to set it up and hopefully break down some of those barriers that exist that are keeping people from actually implementing these programs. I think a good place for us to start is just a little bit about your background. I know that you were a teacher in the past, and I feel like teaching is part of everything you do. So tell us a little bit about your background. <laughs> yeah, so definitely have a weird resume, but I started out in education back in 1988 with a degree in music education. So I started out as a music teacher, and then about halfway through an 18-year public school music experience, I got my master's as a master teacher. So I really dove in and was very, very curious about the learner, you know, to be honest, beyond music. I just really was fascinated with how people learn and what I could do as a teacher to enhance, motivate, inspire the learner. So that's been my journey. I left public education, like I said, in about 2006, I think, and went to work in the insurance industry for a large TPA that insured public entities. My job was the educational services director. But because I'm a learner, I just started taking classes on stuff. Like I went and got my insurance license because I was getting lost in the vocabulary of insurance. And so I learned all kinds of things about that. And then because I was in the risk management department, I started working on my associates in risk management degree. So again, I'm, you know, it's not a surprise that I like to learn. And so my entire journey has been that continuation. From there, that opened the door because of that insurance background. I was with them close to eight years. I then was recruited by BBSI as an area manager. So I jumped in to running a branch in Washington for quite a while. And then I ended up running a large branch in California. But during that time, you know, people would ask me, so you left teaching. Wow. It's like you started all over. And the reality is, is that to your point, learning is something we do our whole life. And so I've been able to capitalize and utilize the information, skills, knowledge that I have in the area of learning with everything I've done, especially when I began to work with business owners. Here I am now as the director of learning and development. So it's kind of for our company, it's come full circle to now no longer be in that branch working with clients, but now I'm impacting our entire internal organization as well as helping them help their clients. I think it gives you such a unique perspective because you've worked with so many clients, you come from a teaching and a learning background, and you're really thinking about who is that employee that needs to learn and what are those skills they need to learn. And especially we work with a lot of highly technical skilled individuals in the different companies with the industries that we work in, like construction, landscaping, mm -hmm. you know, some of those, you know, a lot of manufacturing and maintenance. So I think that you bring a really interesting perspective to that. So Let's dig in a little bit to these learning development programs for small businesses. So 
what kind of goes into designing and implementing these learning development programs? I know that there's a number of curriculums that you've already developed up there. So how did you come up with those? Well, first of all, before learning, you have to really understand a business owner's goals. You know, what are they trying to get done? Where are they at today? Where do they want to be in the future? And what are those gaps? And when you tie learning into business goals, that's the magic ticket. What happens quite often in a lot of environments is that we look at learning in a silo and we're not attaching it to business goals. So the first step is what's the business trying to accomplish? What type of training programs would make sense for them? Do they understand the nuance around adult learners and the difference between if you're teaching a child something versus an adult, right? What's going to be effective? And then from there, once you start identifying where those gaps are that you perceive that you need to develop training, then it's really helping come up with learning objectives and creating outlines and then, you know, finalizing a training plan, if you will. And then you have to begin to design and develop that, choose your modality and then implement, evaluate. It's a lot. I mean, honestly, it's a lot to do. And then measure, is it actually working? So then at the end of the day, whatever that learning is or that plan once you've implemented it, you define what success looked like, and now can you measure it and say, yes, it's actually addressing and helping us move forward towards our goals in the company. So that sounds like somewhat of a big lift for a small business owner. Let's say, you know, a business owner with 10 to 15 employees, they're very much in the business, right? Doing a lot of the activities are there. So where do you start with somebody like that, where they say, yeah, I want to continue to educate my employees, but you know, I really don't have a lot of time to build something like that. Yeah, well, I, th I think back to early on when I was with BBSI at a client uh, in Washington, and it was a female. She actually owned a really unique business. She had a athletic facility. It was a gym. I won't put the name of it. But in her gym, she had a, a very elaborate gymnastics program. She would also rent her gym out for events and activities. And she also ran a preschool Wow. during the week. So there was all these things going on and she was just upside down, was feeling like she was going to have to sell the business or just close her doors because she had some health issues and was just feeling overwhelmed. And, you know, we sat down not because she asked me to create a learning program, but just really said, help me. So we sat down and put together a plan and identified where she was at, where she wanted to go. And in that really uncovered that her biggest gap was her manager's aid. She didn't necessarily have the right people in those seats. And B, even the folks that were right needed some training. They needed help. And that was part of why she wasn't trusting them and why she felt like she needed to be involved in everything. So, you know, we stepped back and began to put together a training program for her managers. I think it starts with your business goals first. If you sit down and say, I want to create a training plan, but you haven't answered the question about what is it that's getting in your way? What is it you're trying to accomplish? And then where are those gaps? Then I don't think you can really get started in the right place because it is overwhelming. If you're trying to create a comprehensive program, it's a lot. Most of the time, small businesses are doing what they only have to do. So they are addressing compliance training, you know, and they're saying, okay, the state is telling me, the federal government is telling me based on my industry, I have to provide X. And so they're just trying to check that box and get that provided. I wouldn't really call that a training program. Right. It's like that basic compliance level starting point. Yeah. So I also recently read an article that stated that educated employees can reduce acquisition costs for specialized roles because companies can hire within. So if you're 
upskilling your current employee base, you might not have to hire on the outside for something. And that's going to cut down on the cost because I think another question business owners probably have is what's the cost to implement a program like this? And how am I going to recoup that cost in the long term? Yeah, it is expensive. And I think it's one of the main things that gets in the way. However, it is a lift. It is expensive. But, you know, there's a lot of studies out there, you know, that say that companies invest in L&D, they're 24% likely to have higher profit margins. For example, 42% experience an increase in profit after investing in learning. So we also know that when companies invest in learning, it's directly tied to their profits for their company. It is expensive. And we'll at our company, Lauren, we're wanting, just like everybody else, we want to attract and retain the very best people. And as we look at how do we do that, you know, it's not just about wages. <laughs> it's a piece. It's not just about benefits. That's a piece. It's also about culture. It's about do employees feel cared about and how do we show them that? And so we invested as a company, as you know, about a year and a half ago, which is what started our journey on learning management system for our internal employees. And we didn't just put in there the kinds of trainings that they have to take, that we needed them to take. We filled it with all kinds of wonderful things around professional development and leadership because we wanted them to feel cared about. And we wanted our employees to feel that we've invested in them and their professional and personal journey to grow. So when we look at that, that creates an opportunity for businesses, employees to, as they're growing and developing themselves, they're actually growing their own, if you will. So when they have a new position and they're needing to find that position, they have the opportunity to actually hire from within, which I think is phenomenal. So Internal recruiting reduces hiring costs. You know, onboarding internal candidates is much easier and there's cost to onboarding. Internal recruiting saves time and it boosts your company's loyalty and engagement when people feel like, hey, I have a place to go. I can grow in this company. I think all of those things are phenomenal as you're trying to, again, attract, but most importantly, retain the incredible employees that you have. You made a comment earlier that I think is very interesting about different learning styles and getting into the mindset of the learner and everybody learns differently right like i remember going to school and i learned really well sitting in the classroom listening to somebody presenting but i know other people that learn really well looking at the book and taking online quizzes so how do you go about sort of adapting and bringing in different delivery models to accommodate the different learning styles that are out there absolutely first of all the the adult learner we have a very short attention span. So overall, trying to really let folks know that no one wants someone to, I call it show up and throw up, you know, <laughs> so they're going to be, you know, I'm going to give you information for, you know, 60 minutes. I'm going to talk at you. Uh -huh. I'm going to make you watch a video for 60 minutes. We all reject that as adults. We just don't have a patience for it. And what happens is the minute we're no longer engaged, we actually don't learn anything. We don't retain anything. So if our goal through, training and learning is to change behavior, then engagement is really important. So first of all, know your audience, you know, who are you training, you know, and in our company, are we training a payroll person? Because that's a certain personality type. Are we training a sales guy? You know, <laughs> they're a completely different personality type. So you've got to know your audience and know what's going to engage them. Also, you can use training to enhance your culture. So for us, we do tough, hard 
wonderful work. And so we know that we put humor in everything. That's kind of one of our things. And Lauren, I know that you've experienced that. So we try to, in every training we do, no matter how strategic it is or a super tactical dry training, we try to insert a sense of humor in everything that we do to elevate it. We also use story. We know people learn through story. They learn through humor. They learn through an emotion. So we think about all of those things when we're creating a training program. You also have to look at what your constraints are, honestly. Is training in person something that is going to be viable for you? Do you have a training room? Can you even, you know, what's the cost? Because you don't have a training room and you're going to have to go rent a space. If you're training, who's doing those folks' job while they're in a training room? So, you know, as a business, you have to look at what are all of your variables and restraints that maybe limit what your choices are based on your own unique circumstances. I think that's why, especially since COVID, where we all discovered globally that, hey, there's a lot that we can do virtually that we just really didn't think we could do or didn't want to take the time to do. But when we were all forced to become virtual, it's really elevated, I think, the use of using an LMS with more virtual training or training that is, you know, more course-driven, video-driven, less live. Personally, nothing is better than live training. Nothing is better than a real person. But that's not always possible. And so, you know, how do we understand what our needs are and begin to look at that? Then I think the last thing I want to say just on the learner piece is that we have a tendency to teach like we learn, which can be a problem. I remember in school, you know, when people went in to become a math teacher, usually they're really good at math, right? I think math teachers sometimes are the worst teachers because they're teaching to all of the kids that math is easy for. Math was easy for them. And so folks like me, that math was hard, they're not so great at that. And so I think that's something that I've really recognized when I'm putting training together is to think about what percentage of the population is an auditory learner. They learn from hearing something. Those are all the people listening to our podcast, by the way, right? They love podcasts. They love to listen. That's how they learn. Then there's a group of people that are going, turn their cameras on. I need some images because they need to see and they're visual. They want images. They need to see things in order to learn it. Then there's folks that want to read to learn and they best, best read. And then there's those kinesthetic folks that they want to touch, feel, and do to learn something. So when you're looking at whatever it is that you need to convey or to the learner, how can you address all of those things within whatever you've chosen, whether it's in person, whether it's a video you're creating, whether it's a SCORM course e-learning, whether it's a webinar, how can you, to the best of your ability, think about how am I giving the visual learners the things that they need to retain? What am I doing in this training to give the kinesthetic folks that need to do something? Again, in an e-learning, that's getting them to do knowledge check questions. Right. You know, they have to click on things. They've got to do some things. You know, we think about all of those things because at the end of the day, we want learning to be engaging. If it's engaging the learner, they're going to learn more. They're going to retain more. They're going to have an increased upskill, which is what we're looking for. It's funny. I just got the shudder from thinking about like all the tests and you know, my kids are doing state <laughs> testing right now. And I think about what's uh, the best way to get somebody to, it's not only retain because you were just talking about that, but how do you make sure that they actually learn something afterwards? Like you talk about, you know, a lot of the online trainings will have a quiz that you'll take throughout and maybe you have to pass something on at the end, but there are so many other types of training. What are the best practices there? 
Well, I think, you know, again, you can be as simple or as complex as you want to be. You know, you could create some type of a skills gap test where you're, you know, again, going back to your plan, you're doing a pretest. What did they know before they learned something? What's that pretest? And then after you provide the learning, having some type of a post test. I think that you have to know, you have to ask yourself, what does success look like? What are the things we want them to know after they take this training or regardless of the modality of the training? What is it we wanted them to know? And then if we can synthesize that down into, if they took this one hour training, what are the five most critical things they need to walk away with? Then we've got to test them. We have to measure that. Otherwise, we don't know if our training is actually successful. So it's measurement, it's setting a goal. And when you're setting the goal of what you're trying to do, you have to also ask yourself the question, how am I going to measure this? And then within the training, what's the best way to do that, right? And not everybody wants to take some big comprehensive exam. So, you know, again, identify those critical skills, whether those are soft or technical skills that you're trying to teach to, and identify the fewest questions possible to check for understanding, to check to see, hey, did this person actually get this? Have you ever encountered any resistance, like some know-it-alls that they don't think that they need to be upskilled at all, they don't want to take the tests, or they just plain old don't do it. Yes. Fire those people. No, you know, absolutely. <laughs> and honestly, I think that's ego because those people feel that they've arrived. And so you have to ask yourself a couple questions. How do you create a culture of learning? How do you create a culture where A, you're actually recruiting and hiring people that have that desire to stay relevant? And again, I think I could probably sell, I probably have sold in my history a thousand copies of Seven Habits for Highly Effective People because even though that book's been on the market yes. for, I don't know, 25, 30 years. It's been around a long time. There are some key things in there that I think are really important. And the last two are synergize, I think is habit number six. And synergize means how am I connecting to others? How am I networking to learn? How am I working on my affiliations to continue to grow and stay relevant, right? It's about relevancy. Well, relevancy is I haven't arrived. I want to continue to learn. And then the seventh one, again, I might not have these in order, folks, but is sharpen your saw. And sharpening your saw is just that. I mean, highly effective people are always working to get better. So part of creating a great learning program is starting with what is your culture and how do you create a culture that supports, encourages, and inspires learning? And if you can do that, then whatever you're doing on the learning side suddenly takes off because you are doing it in a way that you're not just teaching to the lowest curve. Remember the curve in school? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're teaching you're, to everybody. You're thinking, hey, if Bob is the best engineer I have, then in this training, what are some, you know, we call it Easter eggs and bonus material. We're always trying to say, what are little things we can throw out there that are like bonus stuff that people could get? Because those are the folks that are at the top. They're going to get some repetitive things. Yeah, I already knew that. I already, oh, that's one thing I didn't know. That's cool. Because they'll love those Easter eggs. So we try to always have some Easter eggs in our training for those, you know, know-it-alls like Lauren. <laughs> I love it. That makes it fun, though. That engages them and it picks them back up if they start to wane or lull or, God forbid, the attention span that is getting shorter and shorter for everybody out there tends to go somewhere else. How do you keep yourself updated on the latest trends and developments in learning development? And I ask this because I can picture a business owner saying, yep, I need a learning development program. All right, I got this thing off the shelf. 
I put it in, people are taking it. And that was, you know, years ago and I haven't touched it since because everything seems fine. Yeah. Again, going back to what I just said about the synergize and sharpen your saw, I think that you have to, in any industry, to know what the latest and greatest thing is, you're going to need to really be involved in your industry and not get complacent. You know, so for me, you know, we're a PEO and so I'm paying attention, you know, what kinds of trainings are being offered by other PEOs? What is the NAPIO, the National Association of PEOs? What are they doing for training? What does that look like for them? I'm always reading articles. If you could see behind me, which I don't think you can. Oh, sorry, you can't see. We're on a podcast. But you know, I have a pile of L&D books and I'm always looking for, is there somebody new coming out with something? Is there something I don't know about? I read a lot of studies. I'm looking at research. What are they saying about how employees learn and what's happening right now? And again, some interesting stuff just, you know, since COVID about how much money people are spending. What's interesting is I was reading the study it looks like businesses, the smaller they are, actually spend more money per employee than the larger they get. And part of it is that their opportunities to scale training they have when they grow. But with, you know, if you have less than 50 employees, you're, you're typically spending more money on training than someone that has, you know, 5,000 employees per employee, that is, right? Yeah. So again, how are you just continuing to say, I don't know what I don't know? And if you can live in a place where you acknowledge, I don't know what I don't know, then you're just going to be continually curious. And that curiosity is going to lead you to staying relevant. I like that that opens you up to opinions from others, reading different places. And I especially think it's important, and you mentioned this before, to collaborate with stakeholders, right? Mm -hmm. Asking your employees what they want, where they would like to get education. I mean, I use that as a regular practice with my team. And I asked them to find something that they would like to learn in their development plans each year that is outside of our day-to-day -day job. If that's going to take a class at a university, doing something hands-on. That also gives me creative ways to include other types of programs than maybe what people think is just the typical mm -hmm. watch a video, answer some questions at the end of the day. So what are some good practices around that communication and collaboration with the stakeholders? Wow. We've learned so much about that this past year, especially because we've had a lot of content to create and we would tap into the subject matter expert. We call them SMEs and they would help us create the content for whatever the learning was. We'll call it X. And so those SMEs put together X. They think it's amazing. Our instructional designer then creates this wonderful training. And then what we learned is like we have to bring in our newest learner to come in and review it. So how do we make sure that we're communicating with all stakeholders to give us feedback? Because sometimes those subject matter experts make a lot of assumptions when they're creating learning content. And we find out what assumptions they made when we bring someone in to beta test the learning content. So I wanted to say that. I also think that you just can't stop communicating. You can do that in lots of different ways. You know, in an LMS, of course, you know, you can turn on features like ratings and feedback so people can give feedback to courses. But I also think it's really important to do some fairly annual type of surveys, whether that is assessment surveys, needs surveys, even surveys after this was our goal. Did we meet our goal? What did you like about this train? What didn't you like? What would you what were you hoping you were going to get? If we're asking those questions on a regular basis, it's how we're going to be able to continue to elevate what we're doing. Some other things that businesses can do, like you said, besides, hey, watch this video, answer these questions that really promotes learning. You know, I think that tuition assistance or reimbursement programs of some kind, you can do them at super 
small levels or grandiose levels where you say, hey, this is important. It, same thing could be for supporting educational conferences. So they want to go to a conference and you're going to pay all or a percentage of them being able to go to some conference they'd like to go to or some financial assistance with continuing education courses. You know, again, how are you encouraging them and saying, you're important to me, right? You're important to our organization and we care about learning and we care about you and your development. How can we support that? So there's lots of ways and you can do them in small amounts, but even the small amounts like, hey, we'll contribute 25% or we'll contribute up to $500 a year for you to go do some type of training course. Whatever that is that you can do, I think sends a pretty fantastic message. All right. So I think one of the biggest questions that I want to talk about here is how does BBSI help businesses implement learning development programs? And pursuant to that, or what are some positive outcomes you've heard from the program? I know we've been running our BBSIU for a little while and allowing clients access to that. And so I want to hear more about that. Sure. Well, first of all, we've always been helping them with learning, even prior to our new learning management system that we refer to as BBSIU. As you know, Lauren, what makes us unique in the market is that regardless of what solution, we partner with our business owners with a team. And on that team are some pretty amazing folks. You know, they have a business partner, which does business strategy, succession planning, their job is to really look holistically and at a very high level and have those business owner level conversations. They have an HR consultant, they have a risk consultant, they have a payroll specialist, and quite often they also have a recruiting specialist, someone that that's their expertise is how to hire. So those folks are working with business owners every day to better understand, again, what is their current state? Where are they today? Where do they want to be? What's their goal as a business? What's getting in their way? And creating really solid plans of action. Most of the time, those plans of action end up being directly related to training, right? that we identify a gap that we have to come in and help provide training. So our teams have always been equipped. They provide a lot of face-to-face in-person training. They do a lot of webinars. They do all that kind of stuff for their local clients. And now they have this additional tool that clients can also have is a learning management system, which allows our clients to A, track their employees' learning, be able to have transcripts, be able to assign training. And our consultants then work with them to help them identify a learning plan. If they were to decide to purchase the LMS and purchase the content that's meaningful for them, then our HR consultant and our risk consultant and or business partner can sit down and say, hey, what do your new employees need to know? Let's identify what that is by role and then put together, you know, onboarding plans for them. What do your managers need to know? What's your manager 101 training look like? What does manager 201 look like? What's the 301, you know? So again, it can be as simple or as complex as the business needs. You know, not everybody needs some huge multi-tiered crazy training plan. Some businesses have 10 employees and nine of them all do the same thing. And it's fairly simple. So again, it's working with that BBSI team to help you figure that all out and then help put together a plan that you can implement that's going to make sense for your business. It's not a one size fits all, which is why I think it's so great that you have a team that gets to know who you are, what your limitations, constraints, what your opportunities are, what your strengths are as a business, and then tailor a plan that's going to make sense for you and within the budget that you've laid out. I love that it's customizable. And I also love that in thinking about this topic, it just fits with 
everything that we talk about on this podcast, which is lately how to retract and mm -hmm. retain talent. I think that's one of the most important issues affecting owners today out there, especially small business owners, is how do I get good people and how do I keep my people? And by training them and investing that time up front, as you mentioned before, you're really building a long-term plan to reach your goals and achieve success. And so I think it is so important for those listening out there today to just take that first step to get started, whether that's reaching out to BBSI to talk to a business partner, a business development manager about the options, or even talking to you about what kind of learning programs we can put in place. I think taking that first step really is an investment in the business. Absolutely. And, you know, for anybody listening, if you're a current client and you're saying, ah, oh, I need to do more of this, call your local team and get started because they can help you. And if you want to know more about our LMS, they can help you with that, too. And they can jump into our different catalogs that we have and all of the incredible curated training we already have ready to go for folks. Pretty amazing. Well, to all our listeners today, thank you for listening to the episode. Super excited to talk to you, Chris. If you're looking for more resources to support your business, you can visit our website at bbsi.com and you can subscribe to our monthly newsletter, The BBSI Insider. There's also a section on our learning management system on the website under our technology page. So you can take a look at that and kind of give that a little test drive. We'd also love it if you'd subscribe to our podcast and your favorite platform so you never miss out on the latest insights from our BBSI business professionals. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Lauren.